68 teams started the tournament, only the best have survived. Whether you're riding with one seeds Baylor or Gonzaga, or you're hoping for the Cinderella story in Oregon State, it has been a fantastic March Madness thus far. And DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. Pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot at winning $100. All it takes is $1 bet and that team winning their next game. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers daily odds boosts on pro basketball, hockey, golf, and so much more. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nicholas J. Horwat. How's it going, buddy? Going good. I'm actually finishing up a uh, text message about hockey, so I'll mention it real quick. It is someone asking if if we want the Flyers to beat the Sabres, so the Sabres have the longest losing streak and not the Pens. No. Um, I'm saying... I want the Flyers to win or to lose. I want the Sabres to win, yes, uh, because there's something about the Penguins having the longest winning and losing streak that I like. I like that a lot. <laughs> that and also I'm not too upset about the Penguins no longer having a bad thing in the record books. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with the Penguins being taken out of the record books for a category of the longest losing streak in NHL history. Not even NHL history because – that is the Jets, I believe, we said back in the 80s. Yeah, it's but, a weird winless streak, at least. Yeah, so, some weird NHL history stuff there. But I would still rather see the Buffalo Sabres win. One, because we already talked about on Monday's episode about how bad it must be to be a fan of that organization, especially because of how good their fans are. And for two... The Flyers are the last team out of the playoffs, man, and we are not yeah. out of the woods yet. We still have a lot of hockey to be played, so anytime a team like the Sabres can beat a team like the Flyers, I'm not turning down that opportunity. Exactly. But we'll, we'll see. They were up 3 to nothing a couple days ago, and that still didn't end up well. The Flyers got to stop gaining confidence by making comebacks like that. They have to. Yeah. But we're here to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins. We have a full show on tap for you guys. Of course, the Penguins, since our last episode, have only played in one game. It was a massive victory, a 2-1 to win over the New York Islanders to pull to a tie with them for second place in the Mass Mutual East Division. So we'll discuss that victory at first. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about how they performed over the entire month of March because it is April Fool's Day. When this comes out, so happy April Fool's Day to everybody, and this is not a joke. We are coming to you on our podcast version on our normal Thursday episode. But the Penguins had a really good March, which is something that has been historically the case for Sidney Crosby 
and the Pittsburgh Penguins. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we'll talk a little bit about the games coming up this weekend. Penguins at TD Garden. We're going to see if they can end the losing streak in Boston. We'll talk about all that and more. And then, of course, finish it off with shout-outs and call-outs. But let's start it off, Horwat, with a discussion about the game earlier this week against the New York Islanders. The Penguins able to take it by a score of 2-1 to one in a low-scoring game. And a game that really Pittsburgh kind of emulated everything that the Islanders kind of bring to the table and kind of threw it back in their faces as far as I saw. That's, that's the biggest takeaway I had. Yeah, definitely. Got up early and shut it down for the remainder of the game. I mean, yeah. people say that's kind of what we were trying to do with the first game of the series. I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell when we won with six goals. If mm. you would have told me, if you would have said we won by one with two, it made more sense. Uh, but this one, yeah, it, it's exactly how it looked, too, just slowing the game down, taking up time, um, getting in defensive formations, the old 1-3-1 uh, or – what everyone's very defensive on. I don't know the formations numbers now, but um, one, two, two. Yep, that was a big one that we did too. So it's mm-hmm. it looked like we were really shutting it down, and I guess it didn't help that um, you know we have half of our lineup, and on top <laughs> of that, well, the one position that hasn't been hit by injury yet this year decided to uh, fall to the wayside. No one knows exactly what happened. Uh, just out of nowhere, Tristan Jari didn't come out for the second period, and then. A lot of uh, some phenomenal uh, sudden death tweets were made regarding <laughs> Emil Laramie and the backup goalie situation, which, if anyone is a longtime listener of this show knows, we will appreciate some sudden death tweets. Yeah, we're definitely big fans of sudden death, one of the probably few that still remain in the world, but that goaltending situation was pretty insane, mm-hmm. and, and as far as the Penguins injury situation all season, we can talk to kingdom come about everything that's been going on with that the penguins on wednesday had a little bit of good news on the injury front with both teddy bluger and brandon tanev joining the team of course bluger in a non-contact fashion tanev actually in a contact fashion so maybe he comes back in one of these boston games but i digress we got jason zucker back in that game and what have we been saying the last couple weeks the penguins injury situation is give a penny leave a penny and guess what they got jason zucker back and now tristan jari We don't know. He is day-to-day with an upper body injury. That is what Mike Sullivan has officially deemed it. Coming out after the first period, it was so strange because even on AT&T Sportsnet, they showed video of him going down the dressing room, didn't appear like anything was wrong, and then the training staff apparently saw something and and wasn't comfortable sending him back out there, and boom, Casey DeSmith is out there to start the second period, and it's something that, I mean, if we want to talk about what it means for the grand scheme of things for the Penguins, that could be very detrimental. But let's just talk about what happened in that game. Casey DeSmith came in and continued what he's been doing all month. He was absolutely dominant. Yeah, especially coming in cold. I mean, I think it was Bob Airy said it. Um, Almost always goalies show up to games and prepare as if they're going to play, even if they're backup. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which, yeah, that makes sense, but still, you're coming in cold, especially when you have a period off, a period just sitting behind the bench. I mean, that's not preparing to play anymore. That is, you have 40 minutes to shut it down, because I think it was only one nothing at that point, wasn't it? Or am I forgetting? When this? he came in, it was 2 nothing. Okay. Um, yeah, so at that point, you're coming, you have 40 minutes to, you know, stand on your head almost, because um, there's no one behind you. Yeah, Larmy was there, but for league league rule reasons he couldn't be there but 
Mm-hmm. Uh, still, that's yeah. You prepare to be in a game no matter what, but like I said, you get a period off. It's about an hour, give or take, maybe a little under, maybe an hour's generous. But it's a long time of just sitting there, you know, doing nothing. Mm. Commercial breaks. You're just opening the door. <laughs> you're opening the door, and it's not fun. So, getting thrusted into something like that, um, and it not being a situation where you know your team's getting shelled. It's a bit of a different mindset. You got to yeah. come in and actually stop to play and win, not to stop the bleeding. And the big thing was they did mention the fact that Casey DeSmith was told about two minutes into that first intermission mm-hmm. that he was going to be going in. So he had about 15 to 16 minutes to mentally prepare himself. But like you mentioned, physically, he's not allowed to get warm up shots right after the first intermission. So he came in pretty cold. And the Islanders saw that and attacked. They came out really hard in that second period. We talk about the Penguins kind of suffocating the Islanders in the neutral zone. That was mainly in the third period. The second period, the Penguins struggled a little bit, giving up 14 shots and and DeSmith able to make 13 saves minus that Matt Martin deflection goal that realistically was just a good deflection. But he had to make some stellar saves, including what the Penguins deemed as save of the month on a wraparound try. DeSmith able to get his toe over there and make the big save there. But he... He was steady as always. He allowed, I believe, less than a goal per game in the month of March, and he had over a 960 save percentage, 970 save percentage. So the way that Casey DeSmith played in the month of March is inspiring, and it is something that gives you hope as a Penguins fan, seeing Tristan Jari go down, knowing that a guy like Casey DeSmith has played as well as he has against pretty good teams. Yeah, he does have his two shutouts are against the Buffalo Sabres, but he played a really good game against a team that is in the top of the division, the Islanders there. He has played well against the Washington Capitals this season. I have faith in Casey DeSmith if he has to carry the baton for a couple games. We just have to hope that if this is a prolonged thing with Jari, it is, and we've been saying it all year with every injury that goes down, if Jari is out for a long time, it is going to be a tough hill to climb. The Penguins have been able to do it so far, but this position and goaltending is just another beast the next man up mentality can only go so far okay mm-hmm. i mean yeah casey de smith is capable for a handful of games we saw at the beginning of the season whenever jari wasn't at his best and de smith was able to kind of uh, pick up the slack and cover for uh, our first few wins of the season and then a couple thereafter but going into this time of the year now is not the time Now's not the time to have your starter um, out. Like, we're in a playoff spot. We're probably going to make it because things look good for us and not good for Philadelphia. Um, so maybe we're holding on strong. Maybe we will slide in. But still, you want your starter, starting goalie in there at all times. And it's just hard. I mean, there's already been a little bit of panic talk on – uh, certain sports radio stations. I think I heard one saying someone find Jimmy Howard, get Jimmy Howard, and get him out of retirement. Uh, uh no, that's no. not the answer either. No, Jimmy Howard was never the answer. Um, hmm. Craig Anderson would have been okay, but that's before the season talk. Like that was talk to have over summer. Now here yeah. we are in spring, and we just got to roll with the Smith, and then I don't know. Hope legacy is okay if we need them i don't know it's it's different it's very different it's a very not good situation for us but um dismiss should cover for the first couple of games and should be fine i think that's the way 
You have to hope for it. That's that he, I mean, he's day to day. Jari's day to day. Also. Yeah, but at the same time, a lot of the last couple players that have been injured have gone from day to day to the IL pretty quickly. But we we keep hope alive that this is not a, something too severe with Tristan Jari. We don't know for sure, and we're not going to know for sure until we actually get more word on it, and we just play it day by day. Yeah. But as far as the Penguins' backups go, you know, Legasse, Emil Larmy, it, it's it's a pretty shallow pool for the Penguins. So of course you're gonna you're gonna you're going to have to lean on Casey DeSmith here, especially over the weekend against Boston Bruins. Now, the Bruins haven't been having the greatest amount of success either. They're also a team that is banged up. So, if anything, that does kind of even the playing field a little bit. Tuka Rask is, I believe, still dealing with an injury. So, uh, you would imagine we see Vladar again at some point who was able to shut down the Penguins the last time that Malkin was actually in a game. But, again, injury front, well, we have lost a guy like Tristan Jari for day-to-day does seem like Brandon Tanev is close to returning. It does seem like Teddy Bluger is on track to returning. But again, still Malkin and Kapanen, no news is them actually skating. It does seem like they're working out, though, so I guess that is a step forward. But the, as far as the game's concerned, on Monday, Casey DeSmith, 19 saves, 20 shots. We talked a lot about that. John Marino had probably his best performance of this season so far. It has been kind of a, a struggle for him when it comes to making the big plays and being John Marino of the 2019-20 season. But two, or Monday, he, he did it, and he's the reason the Penguins got two goals up on the board. He had two really good assists, one actually going the whole way behind the net, and the other one with a beautiful net front pass to Jared McCann, which set up the eventual game winner. So J- John Marino, not only that, but he was playing extremely well in his own zen, playing in his own end and playing extremely confident. So... I wanted to highlight that a little bit. I don't know if you saw anything spectacular from John Marino as much as I did, but I thought he had a fantastic game and was just playing well in all facets. Yeah, he did. He played very well. Um, anytime a defenseman is able to play offense confidently, it's a good sign. And he's a guy that we've been wanting to see turn around all year and to be his rookie self. Um, sophomore slumps happen. We just can't have it extend anywhere past um, right about now hope for the best maybe he doesn't have to be perfect for the rest of the year but he's got to be better than what he has been um just got to do better and when it comes to the defense <laughs> i think i want to just i wanted to like bring this up for the uh folks at home and the Latang cult out there he took that penalty on purpose and i'm going to fight <laughs> for that because uh, he knew how bad the penguins power play was he figured a four on four might be better for us and give us more of an opportunity and it did and John Marino assisted on it, so, right? Mm-hmm. I was about to ask which penalty, because he took two penalties in the first period. That, but you, you clarified that the first whenever one. we were on the power play. Yes. Yeah. Because he took two penalties that eliminated uh, penalty, or power plays. I think he did it yeah, twice. Yeah, and they were both against Casey Sezikis. So there's some rivalry there that we're not going to get to see the ending of unless the Penguins play the Islanders in the playoffs, because that was the last game for the Pens mm-hmm. and the Islanders in the regular season. The Pens finished off the season series with a 6-2 to record, and that is exactly what you want. That is a massive, massive feather in the cap for the Pittsburgh Penguins going forward, especially going down the stretch. Whenever tiebreakers are going to be that much more important, to be able to have taken six out of eight games against the Islanders, it's huge. That's but really big, yeah. Go ahead. I didn't realize that's what it was. I thought it was... A little closer than that, but I will take it. You'll take it any any day. But the Penguins 
closed out their March with that 2-1 to victory, and that closed out a 12-3-1 record in the month of March, which brought them up to tied for second in the Eastern Division, as we already mentioned. That's where they sit currently, tied with the New York Islanders, just a couple points back of the Washington Capitals for first place. And that's all with consistently missing four to five of their top nine forwards. And now we're even adding on the fact that they're missing their starting goaltender for a day-to-day period. So that is very impressive for the Pittsburgh Penguins. We know that the Sidney Crosby era Penguins have always, for some reason, been able to be really good in March. This is the second most wins they've ever had in the calendar month of March only behind that 2013 team with Jerome Ginla and Yusa and UC uh, Jokinen. So yeah, it was a historic month for the Penguins. They played extremely well. And that was something that if you didn't understand it at the time, take a look back and realize that that was a great calendar month for March. And that is why the Penguins, although injured, severely undermanned are still in the driver's seat of their own destiny this season. They absolutely are. So it, how how often have we said, and we will say, next man up mentality. That was yeah. the entire month for us. It's been the entire year, but it seemed a little bit more so for March because it was the forwards getting hurt this time, and you know the forwards are usually the one that's the ones that score. Mm-hmm. So when they go down, you worry. Where's the scoring going to come from now? Malkin's down, Kapanen's down, Bluger's down, Tanev's down. Where's our scoring and penalty killing going to come from? Uh, well, it came from Frederick Goudreau, apparently. And Redeem Zahorna. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Frederick Goudreau, I don't know the full truth of this or the full um, verification of this, but I guess he had never killed penalties before this. Well, he looks good. So maybe he should keep doing that. <laughs> and I don't he's played phenomenally. I think we will continue having the discussion about him for as long as it lasts because hell, he might be in this lineup over Jankowski come time everyone healthy. He's earned his spot, I think. I mean, earning it over Mark Jankowski right now is not a high bar to pass to me. And I get that it's difficult because the players that start the season with the team are usually the players that are favored by the head coaching staff because those are the guys that went through the training camp as starting players. But I highly doubt there's anybody who can objectively look at those two players and think that Mark Jankowski deserves a spot over Freddie Gaudreau as of right now. Now there's going to be time for opinions to sway and for performances to change, but I mean, right now, I like the way that Freddie Gaudreau gets into the zone and he immediately gets the puck on the net. He doesn't care about what else is going on. He knows when to shoot the puck. He knows how to get it on net. And that's something that it just doesn't seem like Jankowski can do. I don't I don't know what Jankowski is doing as of late and what he's really been doing for the past month or two. But Freddie Gaudreau, just kind of a breath of fresh air. And I don't know if it's because of how quick he moves his feet but it, it just seems like he's on another level than Mark Jankowski is. And I know we're kind of mincing words about a possible fourth-line center, but when it comes down to playing teams that we're going to be playing in the playoffs, it's going to be that important. Here's the thing, too. We just played the Islanders that we could talk about. Their fourth line is might be their best, It is, or at least their most important. It destroys <sighs> us every chance it gets. 
and it's probably the most consistent. Matt Martin is out there on the on the power play now because Anders Lee is out. Yeah. They're, I don't know what it is about their fourth line. I mean, I don't remember their names now. I just remember Matt Martin. Clutterbuck and Zizekas. Four or five, six years ago, maybe not Matt Martin. Those other two, though, I feel like were top six players on that team. Unless I'm just wrong and they've just always haunted they, us. No, no, they they were always top six guys, but that team was never that good. Well, now here they are at the bo- on the bottom line and still haunting us. Their names Penguin fans have heard forever and ever. Yeah, I, I feel like Cal Clutterbuck is an underrated enemy of the state in Pittsburgh. Exactly. So if we can discuss the fourth line until the cows come home for us, but there's a set in stone. They know what it is. And then it's going to be important down the stretch, especially come playoff time. And this is the Penguins are a team that they don't need to identify a fourth line like the Islanders have. The Islanders mm-hmm. are just a different, a different style of hockey. Yeah, it's Lou Lamorello, bleh, Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz hockey. Yeah. Continue. So that's the way their fourth line is. That's their style, and that's their identity of that team. Is You think of the Islanders. I don't think of Matt Barzal, and I think of the Islanders, and I think we've had this discussion already. I think of that fourth line. Mm. The Penguins, I don't – obviously you don't want to think of the Penguins' fourth line, but having a line down there that can have some sort of identity and some sort of touch. Like I said, it doesn't have to – fledge out the team's identity but to have something solid down there would Mm -hmm. be nice because we've just even when the forwards were healthy it was just a rotating wheel of players yeah so now sticking in a goudreau down there is the permanent air quotes because it'll all change probably anyway Mm -hmm. sticking goudreau down there is the permanent fourth line center is a good start to it filling in with people who else who can take those wings and you got something solid, something steady at least. I mean, shit, Anthony Angelo had a power play goal the other day against the Islanders. <laughs> exactly. So he He's kind of trying to cement himself as a fourth-line guy when everybody gets healthy. It, it's going to be something to look at whenever players do start to get healthy. Who does Mike Sullivan, Ron Hextall, and Brian Burke believe deserves to be in this lineup? So I, I, I think guys like Gaudreau and guys like Angelo, I think they've at least, you know, deserve consideration i i think especially over a guy like sam lafferty although he had two nice assists last week i don't think he is anywhere close to you know cemented as a guy that stays in the lineup and i think the same way about mark jankowski i think these guys need to fight for their position right now and gaudreau and angelo are showing a little bit more fight than the other two yeah when it comes to lafferty he is at least improving to the point of okay if we need notice if we need him we got him that's, yeah. where, that's where he was last year, and that's where he should be this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for Jankowski, I mean, there's it doesn't seem like there's any fight in him. <laughs> it really doesn't. I mean, yeah, he's been an NHL regular since he got here, since he got into the league, but something's got to give there. It's, yeah. it's got to go one way or the other for him, and it's not going the right way so far. So I think you drop him out and you make Lafferty maybe that next man up, that first man in, if he's playing better. All things considered, I'm still not the biggest fan of him, but if he's playing better, um, then I'm fine with it. I'm fine with him being the, if we need him, he's there. We got him. That yeah. Chad Ruedel type. Mm. It's actually a very good comparison. I enjoy that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but 
let's discuss a little bit about what's next on the docket for the Pittsburgh Penguins because it is a massive matchup for them against the fourth-seeded right now, Boston Bruins. So if you're the Penguins, you do have a little bit of room to breathe with Boston right now, but they have games in hand, and you definitely want this four-point swing at least to split these two, I would imagine. But I know we've we've kind of mentioned it a couple times, and I know you love mentioning the fact that the Penguins have not had success in TD Garden for a while. They will have two games, one on Thursday, one on Saturday, in that just cursed place. The last time the Pens actually won in TD Garden was November 24th of 2014. It was a 3-2 overtime victory. Evgeny Malkin had two goals, including the OT winner in the first minute of overtime. Sidney Crosby also scored a goal in that game with an assist to the one, the only Iron Man, Craig Adams, somebody who would consistently be bringing home the Iron Penguin Award if we were a podcast at the time. We were still in high school at the time. We were, yes. We were seniors in high school oh, at that point. Oh, my goodness, and that was a brutal year. That that was a very that was a very brutal year. That was Mike Johnston, Penguins. Yeah, those are the... So if Mike Johnston's Penguins can beat Boston in Boston, come on, Sully. You got to get your first win there. It's bound to happen eventually, and we have... We've only played them... How many games? About eight times, ten, nine, ten times since 2014. No, I meant like this season. This season, we've played them four, four times. Okay, so it's been... Okay, so we have to go back there one more time after this anyway, right? Nope, no, this, this is, is it. This okay. is the last time. Yeah. We've played them twice there, twice at home. This weekend, we have them twice there. That closes out the TD Garden book, and then we have two more at PPG Paints Arena later in the season. I can't count to eight. <laughs> that's fine. Okay, so my thoughts that's of... Why we, that's why we talk hockey. Yeah. My thoughts of it's bound to happen... I'm not going to get into that. Um, there's a Yeah, they're four games back, which is not ideal, considering they're only seven points back. But if you're taking the games behind out of it, you're looking at mm-hmm. the standings right now, as long as Boston's not playing tonight, which they're not. Um, yeah, you take the games out of it. You look at the standings and say, you feel a little safer in the fact that we are seven points up on them. Again, yeah. not ideal there, but then you bring the games the games behind in, into play, and it gets a little different. But you look at it with a little bit of confidence, knowing, hey, <laughs> God forbid we lose both of these, or even get an overtime loss in there. Who knows? We're still up. We're still third. We're still third in the division, and we can roll past with a little bit more confidence into the next series. Not look at that as the downturn of the season. Hmm. I'm saying I'm preparing the for these two games for all outcomes we lose twice i'm gonna say we're still third in the division boston still kind of looks like a train wreck that needs to figure it out and we got confidence going forward i who do we play after boston i believe let me double check really quickly but i believe it's either philly or buffalo Sorry, I, I I thought I had that up. You're good. I... Uh, we play the Rangers. I'm I'm completely off. All right. So yeah, we we would play the Rangers twice next week. And that would close out that series, I guess. So again, yes, you have a little confidence into going into the Rangers series. If we're still third in the division, they're not the greatest team. Mm-hmm. Let's let's roll it out. Let's turn it back around because it is it is is the first or is the second uh, Bruins game. And then into the first Ranger game, a back-to-back? No. 
Uh, I need to fix my calendar. Then. They have, they have two days off. Oh, I really need to fix my calendar. All right, mm-hmm. but okay. So yeah, you roll into, you take those days off, and you figure, all right, let's turn it around. Maybe some, maybe a player or two come back, and you're rolling into New York, or rolling home against New York. You're rolling against the Rangers. You're getting things healthy, and you're looking up again. Yeah, I, ooh, looking at the schedule, I really need to adjust my calendar. Gotta hit those updates, buddy. <laughs> but you make some very good points. I mean, this is going to be a very tough series for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It always is whenever they go up to Boston. And we'll see how they perform this weekend. The big thing is Boston is weak right now. And I, I know that a lot of people say the Penguins are weak because of their injuries. But the Bruins are now... They are... I, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on, on their actual record. But the, the New Jersey Devils are 4-0-2 against the Boston Bruins this year. <laughs> I don't know how, and yes, I understand that the Penguins also have a losing record to the New Jersey Devils, but the Devils have just completely owned the, the Bruins, and they've just shut them down completely. And Boston right now, as far as I last saw, Brad Marchand is missing, and that is a huge piece against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Another thing is going to be that matchup that we talked about the last time these two teams played. It's going to be... Patrice Bergeron versus Sidney Crosby. Can Crosby break free of Bergeron and make a difference in the game? We didn't need him to score to beat the Islanders last week, but or a couple days ago, I should say. But you're going to need him more often than not. And in these two games against Boston, you're going to need him at least a little bit to get through at least one of these games with a victory. So I think the Penguins ideally need to get a win in this series because we, we both mentioned it. Boston has four games in hand. These are both four game or four point swings. They're not going to make up any of those games behind on us. And if they automatically get to a four three point deficit with four games in hand, the Penguins are no longer in the driver's seat with Boston. They will be put right back at the kind of at the hands of the Bruins and what they can do in their extra games. So the Penguins need to at least keep pace with Boston and have this series, especially with the way that the other teams are going to be stacking up against each other this weekend in the East Division, it could be a very big moving weekend, the first weekend of April for the Penguins. They just need to come out and perform. If they get somebody like Tanev back, great. If they get somebody like Bluger Black back, even better. Mm-hmm. Because that, and that is the Pens poll this week, is who is going to make the biggest the biggest impact, and I'm not going to give too much away, but Teddy Bluger is definitely a, a, a top choice among Pens fans right now. So yeah, you let's hope they can perform. Yeah, you had mentioned Boston's record. Through 32 games, they are 18-9-5 um, for 41 points. And like we said, they're four games back of us um, where we have 23-11-2. Their bonus has been all those overtime losses. They – them, the Devils, and the Sabres all have – oh, yeah, those three all have five overtime losses, which is could be five big points for Boston, mm-hmm. given how the the back end of their season has been going. And that could give them a little push over Philly, who who would have thunk it. The, the, the Bruins and the Flyers might be fighting for that fourth spot this year. There were some people <laughs> – I'm not going to name any names, although he might be the one talking right now – that thought those two teams – might be uh, top two. Deal one two. Yeah, it's yeah. It's cool. Yeah, who? I don't know, but it's fun. Also, I realized what I was doing wrong with my calendar. I was just looking at the wrong week. Oh, we finish up the happens. New York 
series and go into New Jersey the next day. Yes. So, yeah. Like I said, you, I'm just preparing for all outcomes with that series. That's my point of view on it. Ideally, we do get at least one win. We end the hex that is TD Gardens. Um, are they having fans in there? Should we, should we send the old, uh, uh, from the from the eighties? What were they called? Should we send those voodoo dolls in there? Voodoo. Ah, uh, the guys from WDVE. Yeah, they're still around. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, they're still around. Maybe we should send them up there to do a hex. Yeah. On ye old TD Garden. But it's funny that you mentioned hex, as you had brought up something to me pre-show about Ron Hextall, the Penguins' general manager, and finally. A broken silence on something he might be interested in the trade deadline as it is less than two weeks away. Yeah, so also as we just get done discussing what our fourth line could look like or our forward mm-hmm. core could look like when everyone's healthy, um, Ron Hextall, who did he tell? Josh Getzoff on, oh, on the GM show that he's looking for a, quote, big physical forward, end quote, that he can add – you know, to the lineup somewhere, and a lot of names have been getting tossed around ever since. We've seen um, Anthony Mantha, Dustin Brown, Austin Watson, apparently. I'm just, like, reading Twitter comments, seeing what happens here. Uh, But there have been some names, and I like the Dustin Brown name that I've seen a couple of times. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure Ron Hextall does, too. Those two won a cup in L.A. in 20. 12 i believe was their was their year Mm -hmm. and hextall's year when he was in la so they know each other they're aware of each other and you know brown isn't necessarily a hextall guy but um when you have that familiarity you know the gms are more than likely to bring that player in uh i.e every almost every move jim rutherford did and made if he's if he's familiar with the guy or he has some sort of connection he's gonna pull him in so I like the Dustin Brown one for me. That is if we do make a move. Again, with the quarantine that is still in effect for trades, especially across the border, who knows, really? I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. we're playing fine as is, but um, Dustin Brown's a good one. I just don't know the contract off the top of my head. From what I remember, it's not team-friendly. No, Dustin Brown's contract has another year on it after this season Ooh. at $5.875 million per. And when you talk about a big-bodied guy, Dustin Brown is not a big-bodied guy. I, although, when you brought this up to me, literally my, the first words out of my mouth were, Dustin Brown would be an interesting choice, although he's not that big. He, he, he really is, and he's six foot tall. So he's not a huge guy. It's just the way that he, he plays. He plays big. He, he plays bigger than he is, and, and he's had a good season for the LA Kings this year, he has 14 goals and 31 games played. So that for him, who's not normally a huge goal scorer, at least not as of late, he's been having a good season for the LA Kings. And I'm not sure how much he would fetch. I'm not sure how much the LA Kings would be asking for him. I'm not even sure if they would be willing to retain half of that, which would probably be the only way the Penguins could swing a deal for him. But there's a lot of names out there that are very, very interesting who knows, maybe they go to the Devils looking for a guy like Kyle Palmieri. We talked to Neil Villapiano a couple weeks ago, and he said, listen, they don't know what they're doing with Palmieri. Last year, they thought they were going to trade him. They didn't. This year, they, they still don't know because they're either going to trade him or they're going to talk about an extension. They, they really have no idea. There's a lot of people, and right now we have no real 
direction as to where Hextall wants to go. Just kind of a vague sense of, of an outline of a player that can fit several, several people in the NHL, especially p- players that are on the NHL trade block right now. Yeah, um, I'm just looking at Dustin. Yeah, we said he's only six foot, but he plays like a big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're, you're wondering about his scoring touch, and that's totally fair. But, I mean, he had a career year not that long ago. He's 36, which is where I draw yeah. back. That's where I have my drawback with him. What was the what was the mantra going into this year? Younger and faster. Guess what? He is not. Younger and or faster. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, Dustin Brown's never been known as the fast guy, but he plays a big style, and that's – but it's the, it's the age. That's what draws me back. And you mentioned he has yeah a year left after this, so he'd be 37 next year not what we need we don't need that matt cullen bullshit again no offense matt cullen but matt cullen wasn't 5.875 million dollars yeah and i think every i think every season he was here we were thinking is this one his last yeah that's very true every year was uh we had to wait and see if he wanted to retire or not yeah so the dustin brown one while dustin brown might be my choice there yeah he's older but he plays the bigger game, and he's got the experience with Hextall. I don't, I don't hate it. I've also been, you know, a undercover Kings fan for a long time, and he was the captain of those Cup teams. You know, he's mm-hmm. got that playoff experience. He's got some dark side playoff experience too. He has seen some bad LA Kings teams. Yeah. So he's he's a guy that has seen it all. You know, the mountaintops, the lowest of valleys. It's He's a guy that could bring some veteran presence as well. I mean, I don't know much about Mantha or what you know his contract looks like or his age. I'm going to try and pull it up right now while I talk about it. But, oh, he's got four years left. Yeah, Anthony Mantha signed a pretty pretty long contract not too long ago. I know I remember that. He is on the younger side, and he is on the bigger side, but he would also probably be way more expensive than anything the Penguins could afford. Yeah. Not even not even cap space wise, but just asking price wise that the Red Wings are gonna try to fetch for. Yeah, him. cap space wise, Mantha is only a hundred seventy five thousand dollars cheaper. So yeah. if you're gonna make the decision there between those two, t- pick your poison. Really, they both have some downsides that we don't want to worry about. Uh-huh. Ideally, a contract. So uh both of those guys would be guys you leave available in the expansion draft though if that means anything to oh 100 percent, and we still have to set up the next time we want to do our seattle mock expansion draft i'm not sure there's too too much that would be changed but we'll definitely talk about that coming up here at least in the next couple of weeks probably after the trade deadline has come and gone but if you're trying to look for a team that the penguins might be might be kind of looking at Nashville has been at PPG Paints Arena a lot as a scout. Whenever the reporters kind of send out who's scouting, Nashville's been there a lot. I believe I saw Anaheim there a little bit too. So maybe take a look at those two rosters, see see who you like. I, I know I mentioned Eric Halla. I don't remember if it was on the show or if I was just talking to you kind of off the cuff, but Eric Halla is a guy. He, he's a winger that could go down and be a bottom six winger. I'm not sure if he plays center or not. But I feel like he's a guy that that could be very helpful. I, I know a lot of people have talked about Colton Sissons. Doug Gladkey, who's a friend of the show, has mentioned to me that he likes Colton Sissons. But we'll see. There, there's, again, a very 
broad brushstroke that Braun Hextall painted by talking to Josh Getzoff, but it is the first thing to come out of the Fort Knox that is the duo of Ron Hextall and Brian Burke in at least the last month and a half. And I'm cool with that. Eric Holla, by the way, is definitely a center. I think he centered the Minnesota Wilds third line for and Vegas's third line for a little while. So if he can third line center a line with McCann and Mark Donk on the right and allow our fourth line to be the Blue Grass and Reese Tanev line, I see that as profit, to be completely honest. Now, Hala has to perform because we said the same thing when Broussard came over mm-hmm. with, you know, different fourth line. But then Derek Broussard was an absolute dumpster fire of an acquisition that we traded way too much for and then traded way too little to get rid of. So <laughs> let's just not repeat that and pay overpay for a guy like Eric Hala. But I, I wouldn't mind a guy like Hala being added to the Penguins roster right now. I like that one too. That's a good one. I mean, so far all these names are – coming up better than manta which seems to be the popular choice my issue with manta is this is a move like a move we're trying to make here is not a long-term deal no it's not a guy you want ideally you really don't want him into next year if you have to suffer one more maybe you trade him away in the offseason you figure it out but you don't want to go with this four-year deal because then really unless you're able to somehow persuade seattle you're not getting rid of him because who do we want to persuade Seattle to take? Our defenseman, number five, who shall remain nameless. So, No, he won't. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Still, it's ideally it's not what you, it's not the move you want to make. It's yeah, You want a guy that's going to be done after this year, Eric Holla would be. Or after yeah. next year, <clears throat> who Dustin Brown would be. Because he's another guy you could probably ship off for a couple of draft picks. Late ones, but draft picks. Yeah, as far as the rental is concerned, I know that Hextall did say at one point that he wasn't looking for a rental. That might have changed because of the injuries, but I kind of agree with that fact. Before the season, we were talking a lot about you know, the Penguins' window is two years. Mm-hmm. And that when two years is up, Malkin and Latang's contract is up, and then it's decision time. If you get a guy that is a good third-line player or a decent third-line player, and he's extended through next year there you go you have him for the rest until you have those decisions to make so i don't hate that option there's there's going to be a lot to talk about next week is going to be a big week when it comes to trade speculation and trade talk and then the following week our monday episode will come out the same day as the trade deadline so it will be we'll probably not talk much about the trades because that'll come out the same exact day that all these trades are going to be made but it's going to be a fun two weeks for, for fans of the trade deadline. And I know there's a lot of you out there. So I know you're having your popcorn ready. You're getting ready for, for the fireworks. I hope that it does not disappoint. I know it has a couple of the past years, but it's always a fun time around the trade deadline. I was going to ask your thoughts on the trade deadline this year. I don't think anything's happening. I don't, I don't either there. I think it's going to be pretty disappointing with money being an issue for a ton of teams, not just cap wise. I mean like internally wise, um, restrictions on borders coronavirus and just a lot of teams being in a lot of weird places um with their uh personnel yeah i just don't feel like it's gonna be the year where we sit back and we get the the big star for the other big star or the first round draft pick for this big star it's not happening this year there might be some tweaks and that's about it some guys you may have heard of it's I just don't see it being anything big this year. So uh, enjoy your popcorn. I hope you got a 
good tasting one because that might be the most entertainment you get on trade deadline day. No offense. Fair enough. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we will have our shout outs and call outs to finish off this week. We'll be right back. I'm Corey Francois. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What did I just listen to? Oh, this game. This game is this game is just bullshit now. Oh my gosh. I actually they actually made me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty what? The game has gone to bullshit. Panty melted? Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We're starting our shout-outs and call-outs and horror This is going to be a fun one, I feel like, so I'll let you start us out with our shout-outs. My shout-outs, i got to pull up my notes app. Um, yes, my first, my shout-out, my first shout-out. My shout-out is going to uh, NCAA Hockey, more specifically, Minnesota Duluth hey. and North Dakota, who put on a five, count it, five overtime thrill ride um wolf if you didn't see that game go watch highlights and yeah there weren't many highlights highlights but the storyline of the game was incredible there was no no goals going into the third period (laughs) the third period there was no score then minnesota duluth goes up two and holds on to that lead pretty long into the third period there was under two minutes left i think for both of north dakota's goals they tie it up all right we're going overtime boys first overtime where you're thinking it's two ncaa teams they play pretty fast there's not a ton of defense in that league i mean i played in line against a bunch of kids that play college hockey <laughs> they don't like to pass or play defense <laughs> so uh yeah i figured this might be a quick overtime and then it seemed like it was going to be north dakota got on minnesota duluth quickly put up some great opportunities and then minnesota duluth went down and scored well they scored there's the end of the game after north dakota looked like they were going to dominate take it back he was offside four overtimes later it's (laughs) 1 a.m eastern time and minnesota duluth finally gets it done i forget the name of who scored it but um it's a moment he'll never forget the Mm -hmm. the minnesota duluth goalie came in cold after four or so overtimes and maybe even three i forget um Mm -hmm. they switched goalies i forget the reason why i think the 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 starter just got stiff and just wasn't just maybe injured i forget the exact situation but they had to have a goalie come in cold and i think i asked you this whenever the lightning and blue jackets went on their overtime thriller in the beginning of the playoffs um if you're a team like columbus and have two bonkers good goalies do you switch it because you can have a guy come in a little fresher and then i kind of really thought about that question and he comes in cold not fresh but this goalie came in cold and i don't think he made that many stops but he made enough obviously and Minnesota Duluth is going to the Frozen Four, which is held here in Pittsburgh, by the way. Yay! 
I think that's awesome. I I didn't know that until the NCAA tournament started and when I saw that the, the finals were in Pittsburgh and the Frozen Four was in Pittsburgh again, which it has been a couple yeah. times now. I think it's great. Although I think this year it would have been really cool if the Frozen Four was in Minnesota, considering three of yeah. the four teams in the Frozen Four are from Minnesota. So I know our friend State of Hoppy is ecstatic about that. But no, I mean, it's it's the same thing we were talking about with Casey DeSmith. We commended him for coming in cold in the second period and shutting down the Islanders. I mean, this goalie came in, what, you said three overtimes in? I forget which exact overtime, but it was late. It but, was extremely late already. Yeah, and you talked about the fact that, oh, maybe DeSmith, was a, it was about an hour since he had warmed up. <laughs> this guy was on the bench and doing nothing for at least three hours. Coming in and becoming the winning goalie of record, That that's absolutely amazing. You got to love the college hockey. I love the fact that college hockey is getting more play time. I love that more people are paying attention to college hockey. I think that's something that has severely been missed in in the hockey world right now and we're trying to grow the game and yes it's it's fun to watch Canada and the CHL and it is a great league up there but I think the NHL really needs to start playing into the fact that the NCAA is also a very entertaining way to grow the game in the United States and so far the last couple of years it has been take it take it from the Penguins roster right now and NCAA play (laughs) Brian Russ, Zach Aston Reese, Teddy Bluger, whose alma mater, Minnesota State, is in the Frozen Four. Um, and Mike Matheson. Yeah, he went to Boston College. John, John, Marino, John Marino, Brian Dumoulin. The list goes on, and it's it's been a common occurrence. Even um, with some of the Ray Shiro days, we like making these college signings. So mm-hmm. look no further than there. And I'll tell you what, those guys play with a different fo- sort of edge. Like I said, yeah, they don't yeah. like to pass or play defense. But they're the same cocky bastards that like to throw their weight around. <laughs> and it's a lot of – it's entertaining to watch. Yeah, you like to see a little more structure. Um, I remember I said it multiple times. These guys don't like to pass, and you will and you can tell. You can tell when you watch NCAA hockey. They don't pass a ton, and when they do, it's not that great. <laughs> but it's still – if they're able to hone those skills in college and get them passing a little more, that could be an elite um, – source to watch hockey yeah i i i completely agree with you i love college hockey i'm a very big fan of that i haven't been into it as much as i i wish i could be but nonetheless i i think it's making strides and it's going in the right direction you want college hockey talks real quick this you want college hockey talk Polly cupcakes is a big notre dame fan he is. He's a massive Notre Dame fan. So if we ever have to actually, if we ever want to sit down and talk about college hockey, we know that Polly Cupcakes is down to talk some some fighting Irish hockey. But my shout out goes to the Boston Pride, the winners of the Isabel Cup of the NWHL. I want to make sure I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, the NWHL. They won it on national television. If, I, if I'm not, if if I'm correct, they won it on national television. I did watch some of those games. I can't remember which was on which channel just because everything that I have is streamed from here. But absolutely fantastic to see that for the sport as well. We're talking about growing the sport here, college hockey, women's hockey, to see the Boston Pride. And then they posted a picture being at the Bruins game, being put up on the Jumbotron. And they said, this is great. This is what it's, you know, this is this is making it a fantastic. And, and actually, funny you brought up Polly Cupcakes because Hockey Troll said, no, 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 no. The changing of the game happened when you lifted your cup. Congratulations on that. And that was 
perfect what he said right there. So congratulations to the Boston Pride. They were a great team being able to take home the Isabel Cup. That is helping grow the NWHL, definitely. So being able to see that on televised games, the championship and the cup being raised on television, it's fantastic for women's hockey. It's fantastic for hockey, for all. And I just I wanted to shout that out this week because I think that is the best thing I saw all week. Yeah, uh, this not only it being on national television and all that, but they got shut down for a while. Don't forget that. They fought through a um, didn't fight through a pandemic, but they had to take time off because of a pandemic, and they were able to come back and still have the same product. This upcoming Olympics, upcoming Winter Olympics, it's going to be, it's a big time for women's hockey. It's mm-hmm. a changing point where it is becoming a bit more of a worldwide game. It isn't just um, America and Canada. There might be some legit uh, threat from the European nations. And yeah, this is just the first step in it. I think once we see what it can do on an international scale again, I mean, the last one was phenomenal. I remember watching mm-hmm. it live. I remember watching that shootout live with my roommates. We were juniors in college. Watching that gold medal uh, shootout. I think it was like 2 a.m. We watched it live yeah. because it was in Korea. Uh, yeah. Phenomenal stuff. The Watching the women's game grow has been awesome. And it'll be fun to see how it goes going forward. Mm-hmm. Let's switch over to our call-outs for this week. We already gave you guys the dessert. Now let's get to the vegetables. What are our call-outs? Horrod, I'll start... My call-out goes to Connor McDavid. Oh, wait, hold up. That's that. mine, too. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I have a second one, so I'll let you roll with that. Call out Connor McDavid for Nick Horowat. What you uh, got? No, I mean, it'll, it'll be a good discussion because I didn't have too many notes on it just other than um, it's Connor McDavid and NHL player safety, I guess, because we want all things to be equal when it comes to this. We're trying to uh, fight for more consistency within the NHL in its player safety and within its officiating and, uh, yeah, you the league is not allowed, not allowed, to suspend the most profitable and most notable player in the league. $5,000 fine for the also richest player in the league. Literally chump change for him compared to other players. Hey, that is the maximum allowable under the CBA. Oh, God, is that garbage, too? $5,000 for most of these guys is chump change, but... Um, it, it's about a game and a half on a check. Like... If even for McDavid, that's probably a game check. Yeah, it's for what we've been wanting all this consistency, and I don't know why we expected it. I mean, first of all, I wasn't expecting McDavid to get suspended for this. I'll no. straight up because no. yeah, it's a vicious elbow. But we know the NHL player safety rules of first offense is usually just a slap on the wrist and a move on, don't do it again. Here he is tossing an elbow in a game he was getting destroyed in. Um, yeah. and I only saw the image until right before we started recording here, I decided I should probably watch the video of this because <laughs> I want to talk about it. And, uh, my guy, what are you doing? That a lot of frustration. Yeah. And your team's doing okay this season. This isn't like if he would have done this late last season, I would have been like, yeah, I, I understand where this is coming from. That is a dumpster fire of a team that you just can't keep carrying. This year, they seem to be pulling their weight at least a little bit more. I mean, they're in third in the North Division. Yeah. And most that's, doesn't, it doesn't help. The playoff spot. It doesn't help the bottom three teams in that division are themselves a dumpster fire. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
if he, if he would have done that last year, I'm like, yeah, that is the frustration coming out. We keep seeing Rasmus Dalin do it every other game. Or Rasmus Ristolainen, Rasmus sorry. Rasmus Ristolainen, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Connor McDavid, the most notable, most profitable, richest player in the league, um, deciding to pull a little Tommy Wilson and just I... deck him. Just middle of the ice so everyone can see it. Elbow up, right into the chops of another young future star of this league. You know, first of all, we hope Jasperi Kokniemi, who was on the receiving end of that hit, is okay. Second of all, I sigh just because I wanted to get through an entire conversation about an illegal hit in the NHL without bringing up Tom Wilson, but we were unable to do it because apparently he lives in our heads. <laughs> apparently he just lives in our – I mean, I really don't care uh, about Tom Wilson. If he, if he has a dirty hit, I'll call it a dirty hit. He's a good player. I am also willing to admit that because I'm not stupid. Um, but yeah, I was I was I was literally just trying to avoid saying that name because we don't need to bring it up. But it it is is the most prominent name in NHL player safety because they you know whether they want to admit it or not, and whether any Penguins fans want to admit it or not, it, it's a whole new ball game whenever Tom Wilson does something because that's just completely other chapter of NHL player safety and something that. If we actually dove deep into, we'd be here until midnight. So we're not going to do that. He's kind of the measuring stick for all this. I think that's why I brought it up. Not really even because he gets penalized just for being him now from NHL player safety. Like he got suspended for seven games earlier this season. And we talked about it literally on a shout outs and call outs just for being Tom Wilson. So he gets suspended for being him. Connor McDavid doesn't get suspended for being him. When are we actually going to care about the actual hit? That's 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 where I'll leave it at. Probably when it's a guy like I can't even think of like a middle when it's like an Eric Halla type because it's a middle of the road type player that I can think of off the top of my head. When it's a guy yeah. like him going berserk on someone, until then it's gonna be this as is. Fair enough. Well, like I said, I had a second secondary call out. Luckily, and my call out goes to Christopher Latang. As we found out Wednesday, he decided to shave. His facial hair into a mustache. I wasn't actually going to use this as a call out, but since you know, since you, we had a shared one, well, let's talk about it a little bit. Chris Letang, did you see the picture Ooh. first of all, Horwath? Yeah, I did. Chris Letang with a mustache. Now we normally would like to say that he is the French Canadian supermodel of the team, with that that gruff beard. But now he has a he has a he has a mustache, and not because he was forced to, because it seems like the Penguins are doing the the mustache boy thing where. The last practice of every month, there's a shootout. Whoever loses has to wear the mustache. That's why Brian Rust was. We all saw the video of Brian Rust scoring in the shootout on March 31st in practice. How excited he was that he got to shave the caterpillar off of his top lip. Brian Dumlin will be wearing the mustache this, this month, and I'm pretty sure I don't remember Dumlin really having that much facial hair. I know he grows it, but not too much. That I remember, I can't really remember. I don't really care. But Brian Dumlin will have a mustache for the whole month of April. But apparently, so will Chris Letang. Not, we're not sure for how long, but it, it looked weird, man. Yeah, it's it's weird when a guy like him does it. We we've seen times where Crosby has just randomly done it. Yeah, I mean he does it for no shave no, or to for November. I know Crosby always does it for November, which is nice. But sometimes he does randomly do it, and it's kind of weird. Yeah, because. Because remember when he was young and he couldn't grow facial hair and we always had to like make fun of him for it? 
had to, we loved to make fun of him for it. Even though at that point in our lives, we, I mean, Horwat, you still can't grow still can't. Hair, So And he was younger than us at those points yeah. that we were making fun of him. Now here he is a grown-ass man. Still not the greatest facial hair in the world, but it's no. it's thicker. It's fuller. He's got um some, uh, I'm not going to remember the name now, but he's got some facial hair growing in him, so it's different. But as for Latang, did you see Mike Matheson's quote on it? I did see it. The fact that cherry on top. I, it, it was a great quote. It was probably the best thing Mike Matheson's gonna do with this organization, to be completely honest. Oof. But yeah, as far as both, I mean, Latang's wasn't bad. As far as Crosby's is concerned, nobody's gonna confuse him with Tom Selleck anytime soon. But it has improved. Yeah, and Brian Rust's uh, reaction was phenomenal. So, yeah, uh, the mustache boy always mustache. makes me a little shaky, just because it's weird era penguins. That Van Bilesma era. So, we'll see. I'm trying to find the Mike Matheson quote uh, verbatim here. Ah, here it is. Quote, I hope it was, or they were asked if he said, uh, if he knew that Chris Letang was going to be doing this. And he said that he didn't know. And then he said, quote, I hope it wasn't because he thought it looked good. Yep. Beautiful. Great quote. <laughs> Cut and dry. There you go, Mike. I won't. I won't be mad at you for another 24 hours until the Penguins play the Bruins. I got nothing else. I think that's going to do it for this episode. But before we go, I do have one more actual quick shout out. Shout out to the Pittsburgh Pirates Ooh, yeah. starting their season against the Chicago Cubbies on Thursday. Last year, they came in dead last. So the bar is very low for the Pittsburgh Pirates this year. Congratulations to Chad Cool, who is going to be the opening day starter back on the mound for Chad Cool, and let's go keep Brian Hayes. I'm very excited to see what he does in his first season. Yes, I still am a Buccos fan. Yes, I know Horwat is still a Buccos fan. So this it's... is a Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. At least we support them. We won't talk about them too much. But let's hope that this year they do a little bit better and maybe even get the 20 wins. It's the year of the uh, – can it be the Buccos Sickos? Does that work? Bucko Sickos? All right. Yeah, that, 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 I guess that it's works. Got, it, that's the way we have to watch this year. We have to watch the misery. Uh, and also shout out David Bednar, Mars native, Mars PA, mm. just outside of Pittsburgh, playing play, now playing for the team he grew up rooting for. First of all, why'd you suffer like that? Why? <laughs> Did you know this day was coming, that you were going to be suffering on the team? But they had to sign like an affidavit when he was like six. Yeah. If you're still a fan, we will actually let you play for us. But in all serious seriousness, shout out to him as well. And yeah, let's uh bring on the tanks. Oh my god. Let's go, Buckos. I can't wait to hear G Brownie points yelling, raise the Jolly Roger sometime three weeks into the season when it finally <laughs> happens. But that's gonna do it for this episode. Horwat, any last words? Uh no, yeah, just uh, maybe go Bucks. Uh, is it, no, let's go Bucks. Is everyone ready for Bucks and Pucks? That's the that's the real fun of spring, right? That is that is premium Pittsburgh content on those nights. I, I absolutely love Bucks and Pucks. I'm excited for it. Although I, I'm not sure how well the Pirates are going to do this year, we're still going to root for them. Or you could root for you know Pirates too, which is apparently the Yankees now with Tyon and Cole. We we also have uh, Kumar Rocker or. Oh. least Lester, Jack Lester. Uh, I believe whoever yeah, hasn't it, given it, up a it's hit. Ro in like it, a it's Kamar Rocker. Yeah, it, it's always been him. And if it's not him, 
I'd say I can't be a fan, but here I am wearing a Bucko shirt, and I'm always going to be a fan of that team. So that's going to do it for this episode. Let's hope the Penguins can uh, pull out a couple victories in TD Garden for the first time since 2014. But we will talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.